Episode 59, The Trans-Jordan Journey The Israelites would ask to cross through the territory of one nation after another on their journey north after rounding the Edomites. All of them would say no. However, two nations would do more than just say no. The battle for the Promised Land would come sooner than expected. Welcome to the History of the Bible. In the last episode, we talked about the Israelites having to go on a detour in the desert because the Edomites wouldn't allow them to cross through their land. Plus, the Lord would not allow the Israelites to attack the Edomites because they were brothers, Jacob and Esau. So they had to travel south around the land of Edom and then come up north on the other side. However, before the Israelites were able to begin their journey, they were attacked by a Canaanite king. In the raid, the king of Arad captured some of the Israelites. Because of this, the Israelites asked for the Lord to go before them. In the battle between the Israelites and the king of Arad, the Israelites end up destroying every city of Arad. Before we begin looking at the Israelites coming to possess the Promised Land, let's take a moment and see what is happening in the world that would allow for this to happen. Yes, of course, it is the Lord going before them, but there are events in world history that do affect the Israelites in their journey. The land of the Canaanites was often under the control of the Egyptians or the Hittites. Both of these superpowers would contend for the land of Canaan, as it was the point where two worlds intersected, Asia and Europe and Africa. The Mesopotamian nations were able to trade with the Egyptians, and vice versa, because of the land route through the land of Canaan. So it was important for both superpowers to control this area, so that they could also control trade. As we'll come to find out, the Israelites in their fight for the land did not come in contact with any of these two nations. Why would that be if either one of those two nations were the local superpower? World history, during the Late Bronze Age, was when the Egyptians held most of the control over the land of Canaan. The main reason for this is because the Hittites and the Egyptians made a peace treaty that the Hittites' boundary of control farther north before reaching the land of Canaan. During this time, the Hittites were in their Dark Age, where not much is known about them. This Dark Age would be between the Old and New Kingdom periods for the Hittites. The Hittites had more to worry about than some land to the south of their border. They were dealing with issues from within, as well as assaults from nations from their north, most likely the Assyrians. However, other regions within the kingdom were rebelling against the Hittites' rule. From within, the Hittites were falling apart as kings were dying or assassinated, which caused the central government to be shaken. So the Hittites are busy figuring out things within themselves and trying not to be overrun by invading nations. Then why wouldn't the Israelites have faced the Egyptians when coming into the Promised Land? Because at that point in history, the Egyptians dominated the land of Canaan. Or so it's said. However, the Egyptians were not in any position to do anything about it either. They too were facing issues internally. 
When the Israelites left Egypt, it was during a low point in the Egyptian empire. An ending of one dynasty was taking place, which also brought about a new period. Therefore, the Egyptian dominion in the land of Canaan had receded. It was during this period the Israelites showed up at the borders of the land of Canaan, when the two superpowers that were in control and dominion over the land had both lost power. The Israelites were able to walk into the land of Canaan and only had to deal with fighting the people and nations within the land, not anyone else, especially any superpowers. This is when the Israelites would attack the land of Canaan. But that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. The last time we checked, the Israelites were still heading north, drowning the land of Edom, so they would avoid crossing through and having issues with the Edomites. After passing the land of Edom, the Israelites would come to the land of Moab. Both the land of Edom and the land of Moab, the Israelites were not allowed to touch. It was given to them by the Lord. So, continuing north, the Israelites would travel on the way of the wilderness path, avoiding going through the land of Moab. To give a quick background on the Moabites, the Moabites were the descendants from Moab, who was the son of Lot. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities that were destroyed because of their wickedness. The two angels that went into the city waited for Lot and his family to get out before the city was destroyed. When Lot's wife looked back at the destruction of the city, she too was caught up in the destruction. This made Lot go up to the mountains to be in solitude. However, he had two young daughters that were engaged to be married but their two future husbands were killed as well. So when Lot went into the mountains to be in solitude, he brought his two daughters with him. They stayed up in the mountains. The two daughters came to realize that there was no one coming for them. They wouldn't ever have a husband because no one knew they were in the mountains. So they came up with an idea on how to both get pregnant so that the family line would continue. Both of Lot's daughters, on separate nights, got their father drunk. When he was drunk enough to not remember anything, they went in and individually slept with their father so that they could become pregnant. This is where Moab comes from, from a daughter sleeping with her father to get pregnant. Indirectly, the Moabites were related to the Israelites, although not as closely related as the Edomites and the Israelites. The Moabites and the Israelites came from the same family lineage. After passing the land of the Moabites, they would then reach the border of an Amorite city-state, whose king named was Sion. King Sion, before the arrival of the Israelites, had recently defeated the Moabites and taken much of their land, driving the Moabites farther south into their territory. Not much is known about Sion although it is believed that he was a warrior king, as most of the kings in this region were. It is also thought that Sion was the brother of Og, who we will learn more about in a second. Just like the Moabites and the Edomites, Moses would send in messengers to the king, asking for permission to cross their land. 
The same terms that were offered to the Edomites were offered to the Amorites. They would only cross on the king's highway, drinking any water or taking any food that was the Amorites. And even if they did take some, they were willing to pay for it. However, the king would not let them. Instead of just saying no, the king would gather his whole army to go out against the Israelites in battle. The Israelites would win the battle against Sion, killing the king and driving his army back. In the wake of the battle, the Israelites would conquer all the land that was under the control of King Sion. The capital of Sion and his kingdom would be Heshbon. Heshbon was located directly east of the far north side of the Dead Sea. Originally, the city used to belong to the Moabites, but the Moabites were recently defeated and driven back away from their land by Sion. The defeat of King Sion was not a small thing either. Other surrounding nations would remember what the Israelites had done to Sion, later Og, and would become disheartened because of the way King Sion was defeated and all of his cities were destroyed. The Israelites would then begin to settle in the land that was just conquered and taken from the city-states of the Amorites. They wouldn't settle in any of the cities. When the Israelites destroyed Zion and his army, they attacked and destroyed every city, killing everyone in the land. They would only take the livestock and keep it alive, otherwise all the people were killed. However, that wasn't the end of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan Valley. So remember, the east side of the Jordan Valley was originally not part of the Promised Land. Israelites would also continue moving north, and here they would run into another city-state of the Amorites. The king of this city-state was Og, often referred to as Og, king of Bishan. Although Og was the king of the city-state of the Amorites, he is known to be the king of Bashan. Bashan isn't a people group whatsoever, but rather it is a location or map. In the Old Testament times, this area was known for its rich pasture lands and thick forests. Looking at Jewish myths and legends, it's said that Og was the last of the giants that lived before the flood. Other legends say that Og was a servant of Abraham that brought Isaac back away from Abraham's family lineage, and that because of the service that he gave Abraham, Abraham made him king over Bashan. Legends say that Og and Shion were both over 500 years old, both giants and brothers to one another. Now we know most of this is not true. He couldn't be older than the flood because it was only Noah and his family on the ark, not Noah and his family and two random giants. Whether he was Abraham's servant isn't known. But we do know that Abraham had no land to the east of the Jordan Valley to give away to anyone to be king of. Abraham was a wanderer in the land of Canaan. The two kings could have been brothers. That we don't know. Most likely, at least Og, was believed to be a giant. Og was a fearsome warrior king that ruled a large amount of fruitful land. In Deuteronomy 3, verses 4 through 7, it says that Og ruled over 60 cities, 
all of which were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars. Then on top of that, most cities had surrounding villages that were within the borders of the cities. These two, Og ruled. However, they didn't have the same defenses as the cities. Og was not just a ruler of a single city. Og was the ruler of a kingdom. Later on in Deuteronomy 3, it says in verse 11, Og was the last remnant of the Rephium people group. This was the same people group that the spies reported about when they first came out of the land of Canaan. The Rephium people were not an ethnic group, but a group of people that were referred to as the giants, who were all fierce fighters and warlike people. The fact that Og was a large giant is shown by describing the size of his bed. Continuing in Deuteronomy 3, verse 11, it says that Og's bed was nine cubits long and four cubits wide, based on common cubit size. Moses most likely would have written the common cubit size to be that of the Egyptian cubit. That was what he was taught when growing up going to school in Egypt, as well as all the Israelites would have learned the Egyptian cubit for measurement. The Egyptian cubit was 17.6 inches long, making Og's bed a little over 13 feet long, or about 4 meters, and a little less than 6 feet in width or about 1.75 meters. The territory under Og's rule was Bashan. The area that was called Bashan was on the east side of the Jordan Valley, no part of the original promised land. The territory was located northeast of the Sea of Galilee. The boundary of Bashan was Mount Hermon in the north, the Yarmouk River in the south, the west had the Jordan Valley as its boundary, and in the east, the desert. Some believe that all, if not most of the cities in the Bashan area, were at one point all built by giants, making the defense in those cities larger than normal human size. Walls, gates, towers, and bars would all be built for and by giants. This alone would bring about an intimidation of Og and his kingdom. But the Lord reminded Moses to not fear them, because it was the Lord that was giving them over to the Israelites in battle. It's interesting that the wars and battles that the Israelites fought was in part a relationship with the Lord. The Lord was the one that delivered the enemy into the hands of the Israelites, but the Israelites still had to go out fight, and take possession of the land. The battle between Og, the king of Bashan, and the Israelites came about when the Israelites finished destroying all of the cities of King Shion, and then began headed north. This is where King Og came out with his whole army to take on the Israelites. The Israelites would eventually destroy Og and all of his armies. From there, the Israelites then would attack and destroy all 60 cities of Og's, destroying all the people in every city in the surrounding villages, leaving no survivors, as it says in Numbers 21, verse 35. Before moving on, let's address a matter here. Why did God allow the Israelites to commit genocide of people groups, destroying all men, 
women, and children. So many have issues with God having the Israelites kill so many people. Let's take a step back and look at a practical reason why the Israelites would need to kill everyone. When a people group is left alone to live within the borders of another country, there exist two different types of cultures. In this case, it would be the Israelites and the groups that were already living in the land of Canaan. Because when two different nations live together, it changes the whole aspect of the land, from the racial, ethnic, linguistics, and religion. If the two nations were able to live without fighting each other, it would eventually cause the two to blend. The result would be in a couple of generations a different culture than what was there originally. This can be seen time and time again throughout history. For the most part, either two things happen. Cultures are completely lost because they were conquered and forced to live like the conquered nation, or a conquered nation would adapt parts of the other nation into their culture. However, either way, the results are the same. Culture is lost. Even the Egyptians tried to do it to the Israelites when they were living in Egypt. The Israelites began to lose their family culture to that of the traditions or comforts of Egypt. The main reason for the need to kill every person is religion. The people groups within the land were mostly Canaanites, of Canaanite descent. This naturally leads them all to have very similar or pretty much the exact same type of religion, worshipping the same gods and goddesses. This religious practice would come against the Israelites and what the Lord had set up within their society. So, why kill everyone? Practically speaking, the men can fight and raise an army. The boys often sought revenge for the death of their fathers. Seeking revenge for the death of a family member was very real in ancient times, often driving many conflicts. Women, we'll discover, were one of the main causes of driving the Israelites away from the Lord. For the love of a woman, the Israelites would sell, so to speak, themselves to another god or goddess. It wasn't like God hated all non-Israelites. That was not the cause whatsoever. Because when the Israelites left Egypt, other non-Israelite groups and people left with them. The Lord wasn't trying to kill all non-Israelis. He wanted to set the Israelites up as a nation that was not distracted by other cultures and their gods and goddesses. That is why in the law that the Lord gave Moses and the Israelites, there are set ways for a non-Israelite to integrate into Israel's culture. But the Canaanites were a people group that was set in their ways, and they were not about to turn away from it. There were some individuals and groups that would adapt and change to the Israelites' culture, and they would live among the Israelites. But for those that wouldn't and chose to continue living the lifestyle that the Canaanites did, they had to go. The Canaanites were not victims in this, though. The normal practice within the society of the Canaanites went against who God was. They did child sacrifices, temple prostitution, and served many gods and goddesses. 
The Lord wanted to remove the Canaanites from the land completely, so that the Israelites would not learn their ways and do the same things that the Canaanites did to serve their deities. As it says in Deuteronomy 20, verse 18, the Canaanites may not teach to do according to all the abominable practices that they have done for their gods, and so you sin against the Lord your God. This is why the Lord had the Israelites kill all of the people of Canaan, so that their way of life would end, as they were bringing religious practices into the surrounding societies, or causing much damage to humanity. So the Israelites are marching north, along the Transjordan Valley. They encountered two separate Amorite nations, which were wars that were started by the Amorites, not the Israelites. The Israelites asked to go through the land on the king's highway, but were refused. The battles and wars fought with these two Amorite nations will become famous, or infamous, depending on how you are looking at it, to the nations within the promised land, so much so that it would cause fear within the people. We also saw why the Israelites were able to begin walking right into the section of land, the land of Canaan, and not contend with either superpower had dominion over the land. The Egyptian Empire or the Hittite Empire, as both were on the decline in power at this point of history. Next time, we're going to pause once again the movement of the Israelites to address who the Canaanites were. Yes, we already did this a little bit in the previous episode, but we're going to go into who they were as this will help explain why the Lord called for their absolute destruction. So join us next time in episode 60, The Canaanites' Culture and Religion. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.